Hello and welcome back to Box Set Binge the Bible from Seven Vineyard. This is our podcast about listening through the Bible, which we're trying to get through in a year. The whole thing. Can you believe it? The whole Bible. How are we going to do that? Well, we're on the right pace. And if you've been following along with us, you are too. And we're so glad you're here. And I'm joined today by Owen Lynch. Hi, Owen. Hi, Bern. Yeah, I'm loving this. I, it, you know, it feels like to me, like I'm in a run. I, I run 10K or marathon distance. And in every organized race, you have pacemakers and they run with a rucksack on the back and a flag sticking out of the back, which says that the pace that they're running at, so it might be 4.45 per kilometer or something like that. And if you want to go at that pace, you just follow that pace marker. So we're like the pace markers uh, in a half marathon we're pacing at this uh, at this particular pace but not everyone has to go at this pace as you say we can dip in and out can't we i love how you're making me sound much more fit than i really am ah no 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 well you're certainly on the pace today ben so where we've got to on our on our run is the bottom of a mountain yeah it's a huge mountain it's a holy mountain and moses is about to climb it and receive a download i think to his tablet of uh of all this stuff <laughs> cheesy preacher jokes <laughs> yeah 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 um not at that for yeah i know yeah but here he is with with all this stuff and what is it why, why why is he getting it and how does it strike you i mean what we're seeing here is a mountain that's um got a firestorm on top of it now a couple of years ago i was driving on the motorway in italy and we went past a wildfire just up on the hill above us and um, the, the sky around us had turned orange and, and grey as the smoke and the fire dominated the light that was, you know, all around this, the, the, the motorway where we were. And it was like there was, there was the, the wind was blowing. It was blowing with a ferocity and a power that was overwhelming, frankly. And that's what we understand was happening on the top of this mountain called Mount Sinai. So the last thing you want to do, if you ask me, if you're if you're if you see a wildfire, is to walk into the middle of it. So I'm like, why did Moses do that? You know, why why did he do that? And why did he not come out with uh, you know scarred, smoke scarred lungs? And why did he not come out of it with burnt a burnt face? Yeah. Tell me, Burn, what what is that about? Why was Moses able to stand in the middle of this firestorm and not be consumed? Well, there was something special about it. I think the the image that I take away is that this represents the presence of God. This is something which then would make people feel, I think even today, to be honest, if it, it wouldn't be unusual if you were to say to someone, hey, there's something like God's just done something around the corner. Um, people would go, huh? And then go, is it safe to, to go there, to go and have a look? What are you talking about? And and you don't necessarily have to share all of the beliefs and worldview of, of the ancient world to go, well, that sounds like something pretty special. And, 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 it, and it strikes me that all of this story is being told to emphasise the specialness of God and God's presence and how it's... There are some things which are ordinary. There are some things which are everyday, but this is not. So with all that in mind, I guess, how does it strike you that the presence of God is a real thing or a special thing? What what does it mean to you? Yeah, that's a really good question. Well, uh, I think 
within my uh, the sort of Christian framework, it's very easy because we've got a language around it, haven't we, that we're familiar with, which we've picked up from the Bible. This idea of being filled with the Holy Spirit or being touched by God in a profound spiritual way. There'll be many Christians listening to this who will go, oh, I know what that means. Why do they know what that means? Well, they may have experienced uh, an emotional uh, had an emotional experience in the context of prayer, maybe by themselves or maybe in a group. I know I remember once as a student, uh, uh, this sounds really um, weird, but I was in my uh, student bedroom at university and I was just praying and um, I was praying that the Holy Spirit would fill me, which I mean, you know, it could be a cliche almost that, couldn't it? Let's be honest. But I was praying the Holy Spirit would fill me, in other words, that God would touch me. And then I had this overwhelming emotional experience. Now, did I work myself up to an emotional experience? Uh, did I have a, a, a sort of meditation going on my, in my head that almost took me out of myself? But whatever it was, I had this almost strange, un, unusual, otherworldly uh supernatural you could use it in a number of words to describe it experience where i felt overwhelmed i felt so the presence of another person in the room um i felt um uh, emotionally energized by the experience and profoundly profoundly touched emotionally by the experience uh, i couldn't tell you exactly what happened other than it was a profound emotional experience bypass my intellectual capacity it's just that my intellectual capacity couldn't comprehend it mm. whatever it was it profoundly affected me emotionally and uh and and gave me a, a perspective on life at that time you know and also since uh, that that almost like whenever i feel alone if i reach out to god if i turn my attention to god if i remember god in that moment the emotional impact on me is enormous i think that's kind of what i'm kind of picking up here when that moses actually was standing in the presence of god that he heard somehow yahweh speaking to him and he was in the presence of god and also what was also interesting was there was also this firestorm going on around him which didn't consume him yeah. as i just said i've said uh, earlier on I, i've seen a wildfire and it's ferocious and it's terrifying um so i imagine that's what moses felt like when he saw this fire on the on the mountaintop but when he talks about the presence of god yeah i can relate to that i personally i can relate to that hmm. i remember my grandmother talking about the times when she most profoundly felt the presence of god and she'd been brought up in a protestant church but ended up in a roman catholic church which was very well regulated, I would say, would be a good way to describe it. I've shared before in a talk I did at seven about it not feeling like a place to play. Um, and it was because it was a place of such order. And I think as I've grown up, I've valued the being able to play <laughs> perhaps a bit more. But I really respect how my grandmother found God in the order. There was something that the order created that made this structure for her that just felt calm and she needed calm because there was a lot, a lot of other stuff going on in her life um it felt well regulated which she needed because there were lots of other things going on outside the doors of that place and she felt a stillness and that built her trust that god was there and real and present 
and she gained a lot of strength from that she, she she was able to put a lot of faith in that and then seeing all the like the orderly processions and the smells and the bells of of that kind of worship i think must have made a huge impact on her i'm really reminded of that when i look at all these instructions about how to worship in this vastly orderly way that Moses sort of came back with from God. Ben, I really love that story about your grandma finding uh, real solace and the presence of God in the rituals of the Catholic Church. Whenever you went with her, did you feel the same way? And, and certainly when you go to church like that, do you feel the same way? I think for me, it's varied a lot. Uh, not so much depending on the church itself or what the church was doing but the biggest variable the one that made the most difference would be how uh, how I brought myself along what my frame of mind was I think I vividly remember times when I went wanting fully wanting to worship God and focus on that and finding that was a brilliant place to do it and and finding sort of joy and life in everything all of the structures that helped enable that but i also remember just as vividly times perhaps lots more times especially as i was becoming a teenager when that just seemed like death like i i was i was going along because i felt i had to go along i was going along because you know someone would have told me i sinned and done the wrong thing by not turning up so okay here i am i've turned up but I can say all the responses and I can sing all the songs and and none of that in itself is really drawing me into the presence of God. Right? There's something else that has to happen in me, I think. And, and this is just the same in any other worship setting. However much structure there is, however much freedom there is, whatever kind of brand of church it is, I think there are ways to help people feel and appreciate and recognize and join in with something that's in the presence of God. But the biggest variable is always going to be for me in me. Uh, and, and and so it's, yeah, the structure can help me to engage with it. But if I've decided not to, no amount of structure, no amount of religion, certainly religion then looks like it's getting in the way. And I'll end up blaming the religion and blaming the structure, and uh, and actually that's as it wasn't really the structure's fault. It was just me. <laughs> so um, so it's so it's a bit mixed. But I hope you can can you relate to that? Does that make sense? Does that does that chime with your experience as well? Yeah, yeah, I think so. There's this uh, story that Jesus tells where he talks about uh, a son who kind of runs away from home and and falls on hard times, but um, has already taken half his inheritance. So he, he, he doesn't feel like he can go back to his family's home. And then at some point he remembers that his father is um, is generous and is still his father, so he goes back. And I think for me, there's a, there's a metaphor there for us all turning our attention to God and remembering who God is. So I think I think for me, it's about switching myself on to, to who God is and who I am in God and remembering that. And that phrase, remembering who we are in God. And I think that switches me on to God. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So where wherever I am, whether that's walking into a church service or whether that's walking down the country lane or or walking into my workplace, remembering who I am in God. 
and having that just knowing the nature of my relationship with god i think that that's what switches me on to god yeah and i think we, that is a relationship in which we grow it's not as simple as here's a set of rules yeah, to follow that's right. or here's a belief to have in mind. Do you believe in God? Yes. Mm, Tick. Mm. Do you believe in Jesus? Is he personal Lord and Saviour? Tick. No, no. I mean, obviously that's important, but the, I think we can overemphasize the importance of believing in an idea versus the growing of a relationship. And I think from beginning to end, the Bible is a it's pointing the way towards growing the relationship absolutely right it looks like it's full of religious rules of course it does because because you know it looks like it's full of laws and it looks like it's full of things to do and things to believe but surely i think like the whole point of it is that relationship because that's where the life is yeah and i'm really struck then by by the purpose of of how the story's told in in these bits of Exodus. The the biggest thing, the biggest big thing that stands out to me is the difference between um, faithfulness, faithful response to God, which can only be done in relationship. You know, when you when you've understood what it is that God's asking you to do and then you get involved and do it. Faithful response versus unfaithful kind of whatever. And and there's this very difficult bit of unfaithful whatever in the middle of of well Moses is up on the mountain, and this weird story about how how a golden calf gets made when everyone's kind of somehow forgotten that Moses is up on the mountain somehow somehow lost faith that it will ever come down and do and do anything and so and so they end up making this idol with disastrous results. And and Aaron's kind of excuse for how it all happened is just weird. Um, with it, with it's like, oh, well, they gave me all this gold, and then this calf came out. Like, what is the point of that? That's that's. I, I I don't know what to make of that from the passage. Did someone craft it? Is it just a big splot that looked a bit like a calf? Is Aaron telling the truth, or is he all over the place? I don't know. God carries on using Aaron, though. God values that relationship and carries on using him there's also a lot of death which is very difficult to deal with but the, the i think the point that the storyteller is trying to make is that there's, there's a couple of ways you can go you can either go with faithful response to what god's doing and asking you to do or or not and there's a consequence in this story to not but then this picture of what the faithful response looks like is awesome it would be impossible for us to follow because look at all the stuff that has to happen and look at all the skills that had to get used to build all the things that god said to build and make all the things he said to make and all the material that everyone was asked to give generously if they wanted to give you know it's all it's all amazing and did you notice that it's talked about twice in the story as well it's like there's all these instructions and then there's all this repeat of those, like to say everything that happened. Now, was that because everyone really needed to know them and, and because everyone needed to follow them precisely, so we needed to tell them twice? Or was the point something else? I'm going to go with the something else <laughs> because it feels to me like the point is, is the faithfulness. Like through this relationship, 
then and through not just our relationship with God and our trust in God, but our relationships with each other, because people need to work with each other to get all this stuff done, then a social order came around that was not just bringing people together, it was particularly bringing people together around God and made this thing that 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 made Israel a light to the world. Do you remember, it says you're going to be a light to the nations. And no one in Israel was told to go around the world and make converts to their religion. They didn't do that. The way they were a light to the nations was God just used them as an example of, here's what faithful response looks like. Yeah. If I can give you hundreds of instructions, and it's a ridiculously hard task to get all this stuff together, and yet here it all is, and here you all are working together and creating these uh, these incredible sounds and sights and smells and 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 ways of life for people to step into and and just see who God is and how He works. That's amazing, and there'll be people who'll be able to look at that as long as that's working faithfully. You've got this whole system which shows people God effectively. And that's that's amazing. That's amazing as long as it works. Absolutely, and I, I agree with you, Ben. And you know, as you say in Exodus nineteen, God makes this promise uh, to uh, the Israelites that they will be His people, and they'll be a light to the nations, like you say. Um, and and then what we see, I think, with the tabernacle, is is it like a, it's like a, a sociological blueprint of of um, of the Garden of Eden. So. You know, the people, of course, who are compiling all of these stories together it would have been sort of post, we keep coming back to this, but post-exile, post, exile, post uh, so not post-exile, but certainly during exile and post-exile in Babylon, 500 years before Jesus, when the Jews were really putting their identity together because of the threat that being in exile was to their identity, they were writing it all down, making sure that future generations would know about their traditions, about their heritage and, and the story of them as a people. And what we see here is, in uh, I think to scholars, but also in my mind as well, is the symbolism that the tabernacle is a place of God's dwelling and God's presence. Um, and just like the Garden of Eden was considered to be a place where humanity lived cheek by jowl with Yahweh. You know, God, there's this lovely phrase that always comes back to me that God, Yahweh was wandering in the garden in the evening cool and calling out to his friends, Adam and Eve, you know, a wonderful mythological Im Im image of, of what unity with God looks like, what living God's presence looked like. And what we're seeing here is a, re a recapitulation or a reconfiguration of that in the time of Moses. And what they do is they create this physical structure that where, where God's presence resides. But of course, what's devastating, but highly reflective of the Garden of Eden is the desire to, um, to do other than what God told them. Um, because of course, building a uh, an idol uh, out of gold is one of the first two commandments you shall not have any idols uh, and of course in the garden of eden adam and eve broke the 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 one command that they were given by Yahweh, which was to not eat the free of knowledge of good and evil and um and so you're seeing here the consequences of those actions and i think we're seeing that recapitulated in this tabernacle and and that's really kind of where we find the book of exodus finishing of course where we've got this problem whereby God wants to make this relationship with Israel really special, really unique. And they go, yeah, that's a great idea. I'd love to do that. And then the next minute they've forgotten. They've forgotten that they've committed <laughs> to do that. Right. So they do something stupid. Yeah. And what's really interesting about Exodus is that Moses builds the tabernacle 
but right at the end of Exodus, he can't enter it. So he can't go into the place where God's presence is. He can't literally be in God's presence. And I guess there's, there's there's a question there that maybe some of us struggle with sometimes. Why can't I experience God's presence? And that's that's something that um, uh, I think we see tackled in the next book, that book of Leviticus. So we will come on to that next week, the, uh, the book of Leviticus, which is a difficult book, I think. It's a difficult book to get to grips with. I think many people, when they're resolving to read the Bible from cover to cover, Leviticus is the place where the wheels tend to come off the rails a bit because yeah. it's hard to know what to make of that book. So we're going to do that together uh, next time. And, and I think what's, what's impressed me from, from what we've just talked about now is that I think it's felt like it's made sense to us that while these religious structures and laws and rules are being described and being followed at the time in great detail that that doesn't necessarily mean that we have to read this thing and do the same right no that wouldn't make sense yeah and i would say this isn't just us getting out of this but also as you've reminded us a few times before the torah in the form that we've got it was probably compiled and written up around the time of the exile, the Babylonian exile, which is much later in the story of God's people, but a time when they were cut off from the ability to gather together and they were cut off from the ability to to, to do all these sacrifices and follow all these rules. So actually, the people who are hearing this throughout history have also shared this sense of, well, we want God's presence and we believe we can have it, but we can't follow those rules exactly. So what do they mean for us? What do we do? That is a question then we can look at together with them. Absolutely. And so we're looking forward to doing that. And and that's uh, not many people will say well, they're looking forward to talking about Leviticus. But I am. I don't know about you. I am. There's, there's rhythm in this. We'll see you next time and go through it together. Looking forward to it. Bye bye.